Okay, before we get started with today's episode, have you heard the awesome news? Llama Life now has an iOS app so you can take it with you wherever you go. I have been using Llama Life consistently on my computer for a year now. A year! That's unprecedented. That's like a lifetime in ADHD terms. And now with the new iOS app, I'm able to seamlessly transition between my computer and my iPhone so that my favorite little productivity coach is with me whenever I need it. So what is so special about Llama Life? Well, for starters, it's not a fancy new calendar or planner or complicated productivity management system. It's a time-boxing, single-tasking program that easily integrates with your already existing organizational systems. If you're like me and you struggle with time blindness or maintaining focus throughout your day, then this is the app for you. I love Llama Life because it's simple, effective, and beautifully designed. And dare I say, it makes even the most mundane chore more fun and colorful. If you want to check out the iOS app for yourself, head to the App Store for a free trial and start enjoying that Llama Life for yourself. Disorder always sounds weird, which is why I like actually prefer Spectrum, because Spectrum leaves it open whether it disables you or not. And disorder is also always the focus on the other. And I don't like that either. It's, it's, it's Disorder always means how much does it inconvenience everybody else? I mean, hello, thank you. It inconveniences me most. And it inconveniences me more when you hate me for it. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. So before we get started, I wanted to give you a bit of a backstory before introducing my guest this week. So the overwhelming majority of reviews I get for this podcast are five-star, glowingly positive reviews. And for that, I am incredibly grateful and fortunate. Reviews are my lifeblood, and I'm always begging you for reviews because they really do keep me going and they light me up and I just cherish each and every one of them. That said, I do occasionally get negative reviews. And I get it, I'm not for everybody. So a few months ago, I received a review that really struck me. First of all, it was a three-star review. And since I have ADHD and rejection sensitivity, anything other than a five-star review is basically a soul-crushing experience for me that I will dwell on for weeks. So the review said, This podcast was recommended to me by a friend and fellow neurodivergent. I really wanted to like the show because the premise is really great. Late diagnosed ADHD women and all the challenges, complications, and beautiful happenings that come along with it. However, it seems the only women interviewed are in high power, amazing careers, business owners, upper management, etc. It doesn't seem to include, quote unquote, regular women, so this podcast just isn't for me. Naturally, I was crushed when I read this review, but honestly, it's not the first time I'd received this particular kind of constructive feedback. And I get it. It can be really annoying to listen to people talk about how great their lives are when you're at a place where you're really struggling. But I also know that 
my guests and I talk a lot about struggle. I've never tried to sugarcoat neurodivergence. I am the last person who would call neurodivergence my freaking superpower. And my favorite guests have always been regular listeners of the podcast who've heard the stories of other guests and just wanted to share their own story in the hopes of helping other women. So at the time I was frustrated and naturally I took to my Instagram stories to vent. I basically said, I don't know who these high powered guests are, but I try really hard to interview and represent all women from all walks of life. And I messaged back and forth with many followers that day discussing the issue because I don't think there is such a thing as a regular ADHD woman. So I believe women with ADHD tend to see ourselves as failures, and usually it's because we've been treated as such for most of our lives. But while we see ourselves that way, there's often overwhelming evidence to the contrary. I think ADHD tends to amplify our own negativity bias. I have yet to meet a woman with ADHD who isn't phenomenal, curious, interesting, in addition to having many struggles. And you know, I often joke that nobody comes to their ADHD diagnosis because they want a name for this superpower. Many of us are deeply hurting when we are diagnosed. And even after the diagnosis, we continue to struggle on a daily basis. I never want to discount that. So my aim has always been to have regular women on the podcast, but that can be difficult because A, there's so much stigma around ADHD that a lot of women are afraid to be open about their lived experience on a platform like a podcast, especially if they have employers. I totally get that. And B, usually when I get to talking to somebody, I discover really quickly that they're anything but regular and they have a lot to offer this world. So after my ranting and venting on Instagram, I put a call out for regular women with nothing to sell or profess. They just want to share their story. And I asked them to apply to be a guest on the podcast. And honestly, that's all I've ever wanted out of this podcast was to have thoughtful conversations with other neurodivergent adults about our lived experiences. That's it. So anyway, after I put the call out, I had a lot of applications come in and I'm slowly but surely going through them. So if you're out there and you haven't heard back from me yet, I sincerely apologize. But today's guest was one of those women. So here we are at episode 172 in which I interview Heather Jean Ransom. Heather Jean was born in England and now lives in Germany, and she was diagnosed last year with ADHD at the age of 47. We talk about her journey to diagnosis after a leave of absence due to chronic pain and fibromyalgia, and we discuss the frustrations that many of us have felt describing our lived experience and our rabbit hole research findings to clinicians, only to discover we know much more than they do about neurodivergence. And suddenly we're in this position of having to convince the quote-unquote expert to take us seriously. Heather Jean does an amazing job of describing what it's like to have ADHD, autism, and chronic pain. Now we talk about spoons and spoon theory. If you're not familiar with the term, I've put a couple links in the episode show notes that give a nice primer on the concept of spoon theory. Heather Jean and I also talk about alternative names for ADHD. She and her daughter came up with some really fantastic ones, as well as the inherent difficulty in finding a name that accurately reflects the condition when so many of our experiences are so different from the DSM and from each other. And of course, we talk about Scrat from Ice Age, who really should be the official ADHD mascot. And you're going to love Heather Jean's Scrat acronym as a replacement for ADHD. So without further ado, here is my interview with Heather Jean. Hello, Heather. How are you? Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm otherwise fine. Thank you. (laughs) Well, hopefully it won't last long. 
once we get started and start chatting, we could talk for hours and hopefully we'll uh, have that same experience. So thank you for joining me. I'm very excited to learn more about your story. You were born in England, but your family moved to Germany when you were a toddler? Yeah, two years old. Hmm? Correct. And what prompted that move? Uh, my dad's job, basically. He's an engineer for um, um, space and things like that. And there was no job. He was in northern England where I met my mum. And they offered him a job in northern Germany. So um, he took the job and we kind of followed. I wasn't asked at the time. so <laughs> Nobody asked you. <laughs> no, nobody asked me. It was supposed to be temporary, actually. That was the idea. And then... The job situation didn't change. We'd rented a house, then they wanted to move into that house. We couldn't find anything else to rent, so we ended up buying a house. I ended up going to school, and somehow we just got stuck. <laughs> That's how I feel. I've been living in the U.S. for um, 22 years at this point, uh, from moving here from Canada. And I, I always say I fell in love and got trapped here. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's why I'm in the town I am in now, actually. It's not my home, my, my, my home German town. It is a bit further south and my husband's from here. So kind of. Awesome. So you were diagnosed with ADHD uh, about seven or eight months ago at this point, officially? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when did you start to think you might have it? And what were some of the things that made you think that I should really look into this? That That is actually really funny because it wasn't me. <laughs> I hadn't a clue. Absolutely not. I'd actually um, assumed my elder daughter may have ADHD. And I had um, eight years ago, we had her tested. She's, um, she had, she's dyslexic and has selective mutism and or a lot of other things, kind of, and I suspected ADHD, but they said, no, no ADHD, right? I think that was wrong in hindsight with my knowledge I have now, but um, I just let it pass at the time. So basically, I've been off sick for one and a half years, fatigue and chronic pain, um, presumed fibromyalgia, but here in Germany, it is a bit biased with... Some people don't believe in it. Then the people that do don't want to use the word to diagnose it. It, it is complicated. Well, whatever. Mm, I was... Sounds very familiar. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? <laughs> Strange. Yes, I was. I recently listened to um, your podcast with Gemma. I think it was number one hundred and sixty-four, and found that extremely relatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Thought right. Um, how convenient that it's also part of my story. Well, whatever. That started years ago that I started getting pain and more exhaustion and everything, and things kind of escalated one and a half years ago, and I've been off sick since then. And in that process, I've been sent to Dr. A, B, C, D, E, sort of, and have been looking for a place for um, therapy, psychotherapy, which uh, I still, I'm still on waiting lists. I'm still waiting after one and a half years almost. <laughs> Hooray. But I've had, um, you call them uh, probatory sessions, that's sort of um, yeah, trial sessions, kind of. That's the German system. You can have up to five trial sessions with someone and then decide, does it fit? Are they going to take me? Whatever. And I've had some with three different therapists. I'll say one, I've still got the waiting list. The other um, are retiring soon and dis- discovered that they haven't got the capacity. But one of those, and that was in March, my first time I, I saw him, 
I kind of started off with what my goals for therapy are, why I am here, this, that and the other. And in the middle, he kind of said, has anybody ever considered you may have ADHD? Has anybody suggested that? And I said, no, why? <laughs> and there was me all over the place telling my all my side quest stories, building out, blabbling, having talking about people pleasing, perfectionism, procrastination, emotional dysregulation, not in those words, but um kind of no, as my primary um goals and everything. So he said, Yeah, well, he has a hunch. That it may be sort of. And if I'm interested, he'd do the evaluation with me. So I said, yeah, okay. So we scheduled appointments, and I think it was three weeks later. And, of course, you can imagine what happened in the meantime. I started researching. <laughs> Instagram, attitude mag, um, books, <laughs> everything. I thought, hmm, maybe he's right. <laughs> but, but maybe just just to get right and then next step how on earth didn't anybody ever see this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh yeah too bright and too good you, you know the story sort of so so that was that um kind of um what happened there and i then at the end no, was evaluated came out with diagnosis um i already had a psychiatrist at that point Because everybody was trying to figure out if I had depression and if that was the problem, basically. I think we actually figured out that that is actually one of the problems I don't have. I have a, I have a lot of others, but that is not one. And um, yes, yeah, so um, I've been going there. I've actually, I'm, I'm on medication. You wouldn't notice right now, I suppose, but um, because um, I can only take a low dose because I'm very, very sensitive to um, effects and side effects with uh, some things. Um, go wrong but it is having an effect it has calmed me down and it has actually reduced the pain a little bit oh it did it, it, it actually yeah which I found really really cool it's got a bit worse with my covid in, recent covid infection again um but it's only three weeks ago so I'm still hoping that it'll go again but I've actually I've been I couldn't read I wasn't in a mental state to read books beforehand properly I love to read and now I can actually hyper focus on a book for a day and then I was um I don't know do you know spoon theory oh Does yes yeah 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 so no, my spoons are very limited and when spoons are empty their life is empty not what doesn't work well with kids because not much life is left at uh, noon for instance <laughs> um now I was in the state I couldn't even lift my arms to um wash my hair And now I can actually open bottles and carry things. So, no, um, I was on books actually. Yeah, well, you, you get it. My storytelling is quite typical. Um, yes, yeah, so I've been there. I actually asked him um, if, because I came across, when you research ADHD, naturally you come across autism, general neuro neurodiversity, neurodivergency, um, and all that lot. And I actually, I don't know, there were some things that he always said, yeah, that doesn't quite fit. That That is unusual, but in basic, right. Um, and I thought, could that perhaps be autism? Ah, no, can't be, never. Yeah, well, um, I, I have not got an official diagnosis yet, but my last um, seven months of diving into the subject, and I've also been to the autism center here. They don't do diagnosis, but they do consultation a lot and, and thingy and I've um, had quite a few appointments with one of the um, people there who does that and 
we, we've now decided, um, well, she, she decided what basically from seeing me, it was really funny. The first time we approached, saw each other, she, she just said her radar just jumped. <laughs> uh. So, um, <laughs> I, I now actually have the confidence to say I am autistic as well because it fits and it, it feels right. That's a great point. I, I totally relate to that idea of having, you know, feeling so confused about the autism. If you've listened to the podcast, it's something I talk about a lot, right? But I like the way you phrased it with the, uh, it just fits, right? And I think that that's something about the these neurodivergent diagnoses where it's like so much of these previous diagnoses that we have gotten in our in our adult life just never felt right. And there's something about this that just fits to the core and with the autism testing, I always found like I'm sort of always on the borderline and I never understand what that means. And then I'm always questioning all the questions and figuring out if the testing is appropriate. And then everybody, you know, friends of mine with autism are like, yeah, that's the autism side. <laughs> so, oh, yes, right. And then I, re I remember when I was reading Unmasking Autism by Devin Price. They, oh, that's a fantastic book. I loved it. Isn't it such a great book? Such a good book. I cried halfway through it, but I absolutely oh, loved well, it. Well, even just the, I listened to the audiobook, but the audiobook came with a download of PDFs of all of the different charts and everything that are referenced in the book, which are just so helpful. It's such a great book. Uh, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes for this um, episode. But Devin Price talks about, you know, People who aren't autistic don't spend a lot of time questioning if they're autistic. I always think about that quote when I'm like going down the rabbit hole of do I or don't I? Because it's a, it's a weird question to think like, you know, a lot of experts say there's a huge overlap between ADHD and autism. And I'm sure there is. Of course there is. But but why is it an overlap? Why isn't it also ADHD? You know, I think that the, for such a long time, clinicians could only diagnose one or the other. They weren't allowed to diagnose both until this most recent DSM. So I think it's really interesting to think about how we're redefining both of those. So now with your daughter, is it, uh, or with either of your girls, um, have they been diagnosed or you said you were, before we hit record, you said you were seeking a diagnosis for the year oldest? Yes, I'm actually on the waiting list for actually getting an appointment where I had her evaluated for um, dyslexia at the time. And being a speech therapist, I actually saw it very, very at a very early stage that um, she was dyslexic and um, searched to get an evaluation for that as early as I could so that she could get the accommodations that she needed. And I actually had to walk the person through that. But OK, do you hate it as well that you end up having so much more knowledge than the people that you're actually sitting across and are supposed to do no more than you, basically? Oh my goodness. Well, actually the fact that your ther uh, psychologist recommended it and was an adult male, I think is tremendous. That's very rare. Oh, I found that he, he's ADHD as well. So <laughs> he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> but that's how this should be. I loved it. I know that was so it's a coincidence and I'm really, really so grateful for it. And I'm so sad that he's got retiring and couldn't take me on because we really clicked. It was really great. I felt really seen for the first time in I don't know what. It was such a fantastic feeling. I just cried. <laughs> yeah, as I say, I actually already had a hunch. Um, it may be ADHD, but they decided it wasn't. And the knowledge I have now, I say, yes, well, I understand why you didn't see it. But I know now I'm absolutely convinced that I'm right, that she's also ADHD. So I'm waiting now at the same place. 
um, but I've also got another place that I may be able to get an appointment. That was a recommendation from the autism centre, actually, that they also, that girls get diagnosis there as well, which ah. is a good start anyway. And I mean, she's, she'll be 17 in January, but um, yeah, but I have to actually go to a set appointment to then queue to then hopefully get an appointment for her two months later. That is their system. My other daughter is already in that psychiatric um, clinic, uh, I think you'd call it, because she was diagnosed with depression. She was in a really bad state um, two years ago, one and a half years ago, and she's now taking medication. That's helped a lot. And she actually has her ADHD evaluation tomorrow. Oh, wow. Because we are so very similar. And she is already um, almost has, uh, I don't know, they did the IQ test in all the process. And uh, it was um, 127 or so. Something like that. Um, I think the here the um, the level is 130 to be. I don't know. You call it gifted, I think, in English, don't you? Yeah. Um, so she and she's at the same school that my other daughter is. She chose. She didn't want to go to a grammar school or a school that everything would be hard. She preferred to go to the the inclusive school, where they have um, also. She can also also do all her. Um, qualifications there and carry on for A-levels. Well, my my seven, almost 17-year-old is doing that. She's in 11th class, they call it. 10th is GCSE level. I'm not quite sure what the American equivalents are. And 11th to 13th, you have three years of A-level classes where you get then the German Abitur, as it is called. And um, yes, so she, but it is, um, they have a different system and it is more inclusive and more focused on not pressure and having to achieve and learn, 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 learn like this, in, out, in, out. It's more focused on more inclusive learning, different methods, and also with disabled people of all kinds of, no, it, it's a mix. You have all the different levels of intelligence sort of um, in the classes as well, so... And she is top of her class. She is bored, but she says she prefers to be bored than to have pressure. I get that. And I can really, I can relate to that because she's a perfectionist, a people pleaser, doesn't want to um, be perceived negatively. But she has also quite a bunch of executive dysfunctioning and the emotional dysregulation. We both have that extremely, very strongly. Um, I spend most of my time co-regulating because uh, I'm I'm actually quite good with that because <laughs> I understand I can and I can find words for both of them actually and I don't know I have the impression that it helps them a lot so we'll see what comes of that tomorrow and I'm still waiting for the other because my eldest daughter said please get me evaluated I d- I, w- I want to be able to say told you so because hardly anybody believes that's not quite true. Her, actually, her teacher she had for six years, he had a hunch that um, she may be autistic, and um, he, he's been very good for her. And, um, and yes, we um, have a family history. I spoke to my mother as well, 
told her about it and gave her ideas, exams and everything. She said, you know what, a couple of years back, I thought I may be autistic. I thought, ah, interesting. <laughs> so, yes, we've, we've been had, had a lot of contact discussions, um, talking and all sorts. It's been an interesting past eight months. It sure has, right? Uh, what about your partner? Is he? Do you feel like he might be neurodivergent, or what has he thought about this journey? Um, I think he's a little confused. When I gave him, as a, he 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 goes absolutely, he, he doesn't. He has trouble understanding ADHD, whereas I see a lot of things that could be neurodivergent in him as well. It might just be chronic stress. <laughs> He's an IT consultant in management positions, so um, I'm afraid <laughs> that is also, um, I don't know, they're just this, that and the other. Um, I don't know if he ever thinks about it. I, I watch, I actually had suspected him to be um, the person that might have given it to my daughter. You, you see, I, I was so blind on the whole subject. And then I uh, talked to my daughter, yes, this, that could be, and she says, Mum, you do that too. <laughs> and I always praised myself with being so such being able to reflect so well yeah obviously I really was blind completely blind no um uh, but when I've not told him told him the autistic traits he said oh yes definitely <laughs> absolutely he, he, he really saw me in that yes I don't know it's 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 a journey we'll see how it goes and everything at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Now, I have to say, looking at your resume, the signs were there all along. It's just, I have to read this out. So you went to school for music, um, then you, and biology. <laughs> oh, I did all sorts. I know, right? And then you were a certified speech therapist, and then worked in cultural studies, uh, in philosophy and literature. And then your side quest, which I love that. I'm going to have to put that on my resume from now on. Official category of side quests, which was, oh, yes. And I'm also a lactation consultant. <laughs> that does actually connect to my speech therapy then. Uh, oh, okay. Because um, following disorders of all kinds um, belong to speech therapy. I don't know. In, in German, there's um, it, it's a different expression, but it, it's the equivalent would in British is actually, uh, well, English is speech therapist, but it's basically um, also voice disorders and also swallowing disorders, all age groups. And yes, I, I always had the idea to combine 
I mean, you need, if you want to um, treat the pathology, you need to know the physiology, yeah, what, where you're coming from, basically. Uh, and actually, when I was, um, we lived in a different town because um, my husband was doing his doctorate. Um, that was in Lübeck, if that means anything to you, right in the north of Germany. We were there for three years. And I was in a yeah, breastfeeding group, basically. And the person there, I find, found it extremely inspiring, the work that she did and how she helped and, and the, the community and, and how it was all organized. So I said, yeah, I want to do that too, because it really inspired me. So I um, joined um, this um Oh, it's a German expression, Af, um, AFS. Um, Arbeitsgruppe, nee. <laughs> Arbeitsgruppe Freier Stillgruppe, nee, Arbeitsgemeinschaft Freier Stillgruppe, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> whatever, so I, I signed up with them and I, I joined, I did the, um, the, the training for it, um, got certified and um, yeah, and actually ended up um, having my own group for five years and otherwise doing telephone or personal but then, I, as I say, I tried to, I did also um, training um, workshops and everything from the speech therapy side to learn and get the qualifications for that. So I could basically treat um, babies and toddlers. And I was actually quite unique in the region for that. So um, the only problem with that is that doctors, pediatricians, rarely see a problem when there really is a problem. You have parents struggling with um, trying to get their kids fed and to the extent they go to and everything. And then the doctors just say, oh, it's gaining weight, no problem. And you think, ugh. So me getting prescriptions for it um, was a really, really hard thing. And then at some point, it wasn't that I'd had enough. It was in my, my early 40s when I'd actually um, wanted to have more kids and it didn't work out. And I got to a point where I needed a bit of distance from babies, um, which is why I kind of put that to one side and went more into adults with Parkinson's after strokes, things like that. I just That's the nice thing about speech therapy. You have so many different disorders and age groups. That's a nice ADHD thing. Focus on one, and when it gets, if you feel you need a change, you can just transfer to something else and specialize in that. Absolutely. I actually had the perfect job when it came to that. And um, that, that was actually quite beautiful. Yes, but no, the, the, the lactation consultation, I, I really loved that. I, I had my, my own group in a mother's um, place um, every two weeks. And um, yes, that, that was a hard thing. One of my side quests. The other was, was, the, other was the quiz. And, uh, the, yes, the quiz mistress. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened accidentally as well. I was actually um, a waitress in that place. For two years I started in between jobs somehow stuck don't know carried on and then I quit because I'd broken my foot at Irish dancing and um, then they ch changed owners and um, and then at one point a few months later I got this telephone call this panicky one um, could you imagine doing the quiz the people who'd done it before um, the own new owner and then they didn't get on and they needed somebody to do it and um I said, um, perhaps. <laughs> so 
that kind of happened. Originally, it was, yeah, we'll give you one. You just have to read it. I tried. But trying to host a quiz and then you get questions on on, uh, the things that you haven't written or researched yourself. I just couldn't do it because I I need to know what I'm talking about. I don't know if that's a perfectionism or or, or nothing. I don't know. But it's kind of I, I need to know. And I need to know what's the, to answer questions and how to pose the questions and how to help them in between. And anyway, the whole concept that the person who had written it wasn't my concept. So I kind of ended up doing my own complete thing, which was an awful lot of work every week. But um, I have an awful lot of random knowledge as well because of it. Every time something comes up, I say, oh, I know that because I had a quiz question, you see. So, um, yeah, I haven't been doing that for also one and a half years because, I'm, as I say, I'm off sick and I, uh, I get paid for it. And even if I only did it once a month, um, I'm a bit scared of my health insurance that they say, oh, if you can do that, you can go back to work. And I'm afraid, no, I can't. <laughs> that uh, doesn't work. I, I do it for various reasons, chronic migraines, fatigue, you know, the whole thing that spoons and everything. I'm not reliable for patients. So that's why I actually started um, studying at, um, um, I don't know what you call it, when you're external, it's not, I don't go to the place, I do it all online, I get scripts, I get, um, do exams, um, I go there for the exams during Corona, I did them online, and um, I, I read up and I do tasks and um, everything for it, but it's not that I have lectures where I go to, there are video lectures occasionally, and um also seminars that um, no, are sometimes online, sometimes somewhere else. But I say I've got that on hold as well at the moment because my brain just wouldn't do anything intellectually, emotionally or physically. Everything was just draining. I, I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't handle it. So I went to actually, it was cultural studies um, with um, focus on philosophy and literature because kind of I could go into my interests of yeah, philosophy and learning more about the world and learning to write better because I am absolutely hopeless at structuring written work. I'm overwhelmed. I actually, I know basically what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's like trying to write a summary. I can write five different, on one text five different five summaries and they can be all different depending on what I prioritize or if I prioritize everything then the summary is longer than the original text I I need somebody to tell me what they want me to focus on because I can't make the decision what's most important or what they want me what they what, what what they hear I have that in a lot of things then I've got all this vast enormous amount of knowledge in my head and half the time I can either not grip it can't access it or can't structurize it even though I'm actually able but I need somebody to walk me through I I, it's only through all my research that I've actually figured out where my trouble my problems are that I have had all my life and what accommodations would actually help me yeah I remember interviewing Catherine Ellison very early in the podcast, we were talking about that exact thing, because I remember long before my ADHD diagnosis, feeling like I might have some sort of 
processing disorder because uh, some sort of learning disorder because I felt the exact same way. I had I loved you know input. She called it stuck on input, which was I love learning, I love voraciously reading. I was like I would obsessively go down these rabbit holes, but I wasn't able to then turn around and explain what I had learned or, you know, break it out into like, you know, what was that book about? Uh, I don't know. I just knew I liked it, right? Like it was very difficult. And especially in school and university, I had a really hard time. You know, I would read and read and read and prepare for an essay or but when I had to turn around and write a paper, I just was so difficult. Like you said, like getting all of that knowledge into some kind of order. And so I always thought there was like a prioritization processing disorder in there somewhere. I just didn't know what to call it. Now I know. Yeah. So now I'm curious, have you looked at, have you found anything or are you, do you have any theories about the connection between autoimmune disorders and neurodivergence? Cause I, I feel like there's such an overlap and I'm curious if that's, uh, and it's so common, you know, fibromyalgia, but also a lot of autoimmune disorders are, are related to stress and burnout. And I'm curious what your theories are, if anything on that. I find it awfully hard to find information on that, actually. Um, I came across, it must have been about the same study that Gemma came across. Um, I think it was a 2018 study or something like that, where they they figured out that a lot of people with fibro, women with fibromyalgia have actually um, undiagnosed ADHD with the recommendation if they have a fibromyalgia diagnosis, do a screening for ADHD as well. And I think it makes an awful lot of sense because um, I think part of fibromyalgia is the dysregulated nervous system. And when you imagine um, what ADHD wreaks havoc uh, in your body on so many levels that it's actually, I don't find it much of a coincidence that that can be a result, especially as a female and then of course you have the hormonal things that seem to play some kind of role in it i read um well is it pain and prejudice gabriel jackson i found that a, a very very good book um, basically on female pain history and all the kind of pain disorders that kind of overlap or interact and also her idea um is the um yeah, autoimmune thing that can't be proven in so many cases because everything just comes up with no results in the end. And if that is the, fa the fact, then you can choose from A, B, C and D what it may be, what relates most to. And sometimes I wonder if it's basically all one and the same thing. And just depending on where your symptoms cumulate more, then that is the name it'll get. Sometimes I wonder if that could actually also be with ADHD and autism, that in 10 years' time we'll end up calling it something completely different, a neurodivergent spectrum as an overall idea. But um, yes, no, um, I think as a brain, nervous system and um, hormones, I think there's so much interaction that we do not understand. But I'm having actually trouble finding more information. Every time I kind of try and Google and find things on it, it's scripts and scraps and this, but it's always, yeah, we don't know enough. And actually, we have no flipping idea. And also, <laughs> it happens to women. So we're not going to look into it. Yes. <laughs> so, feminism is one of my special interests, always has been in intersectional in all rings. So yes, I'm well aware that that is actually one of the main problems. It doesn't get funded. 
nobody interested. It's only women. Um, that is also another thing that why ADHD goes so. Yeah, well, that the downhill with with women and that they get these conditions. Yeah, the whole socialization, the whole trying to fit into the roles, the whole having to excel and be better if you even want to do something or. I'm for one, I'm not really happy and I, I hate cooking and cleaning and the whole lot. I, I, I don't have this gene that I'm happy doing these things, but I like eating. So naturally I have to cook because somehow nobody else does it if I don't do it. Let's face it. But um, yes, I don't know. It's, there's an awful lot of social pressure. And when you have ADHD, you have even more of it because you feel as a failure and get told you're a failure in on so many levels that yes just being a woman is also already a problem but with ADHD to go with it I'm not surprised that the studies come up with 40 to 50 percent that they go together sort of so I don't know and that it can manifest in pain that's I'm not surprised if your your brain is everywhere all the time brain on tour Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyper-focus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access, self-guided, and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, It's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. You know, I'm in school now to become a mental health counselor, and so we've been talking about burnout a lot, and the definition of burnout in in the curriculum there is is much more about like a a sense of hopelessness a sense of giving up right you don't want to do things you don't you don't want to go to work you don't want to make these phone calls whatever it's it's an avoidant kind of 
sense of burnout. And that's not how I experience burnout at all. I feel like burnout for me is much more of a physical, it's much more in the nervous system, right? It's, I feel like it's this, you run yourself until you are completely out of battery. And then your body is screaming at you to shut down like your body, like that's how I kind of experience burnout. And I was trying to it seems like autistic burnout is very different from the medicalized uh, understanding of burnout. Um, and I'm just talking about this on the top of my head, so I'm not really sure if there's any official definitions. But this is my new rabbit hole is trying to f- figure out the difference between um, neurodivergent burnout and burnout as it is sort of understood and discussed in the medical field with clinicians, because it seems to me that the way they're describing it is not my own personal experience of it, which sounds like a lot of life when you're a neurodivergent, right? The way <laughs> the way the way clinicians describe things, uh, even depression. I feel like the way we experience depression is very different from how it looks on paper. Yeah. I, I actually, I've tried to, I've been, I've this past years, I've been trying to figure out, do I have depression or don't I? And where are the differences? And when I listen to my daughter and other people um, that I know who have depression, it does definitely manifest differently from my uh, my emotional dysregulation when, when I get into an emotional paralysis, I'd call it, or complete overwhelm, that I, um, I, I have it that it's related to hormones with me that's got, got quite extreme now around my age. It's around ovulation. I don't know what it says. I, I feel like I, I just can't cope. I'm overwhelmed and I just want to press a button and be out it is it is all too much and I know I just have to hang on I know it'll be over in two days (laughs) I just have to hang on and this state will pass but the intensity and the thoughts and the feelings I have with it are hard are really really hard and um, when my daughter talks about these things and um, about depression or, or my friends and, and the thoughts and everything, they are in a state, they have no recollection of the past. They can't remember that they were happy, that they um, felt good, and they can't relate to the fact that they will feel good again. They are caught in this process. And I find that is a really, really big difference because I know it'll pass and I can remember how it is to feel good and happy. Yeah, that, that will be one thing. The other thing with the burnout um, thing, symptoms is it's um, I my, my fat. Well, I don't know. Burnout, chronic exhaustion, fatigue is, as you said, it's it's on a physical level. But even even when I can't do it intellectually or emotionally drains me as well but it still ends up being physical in that sense that I can't I I have to rest I have to lie I have no option I can't do anything else it's not activation is the completely wrong way to go about it I really have to pace myself that's where my ADHD really regularly trips me up I have a really really big trouble pacing myself because I am enthusiastic about so many things I have I enjoy doing so many things and I want to do so many things apart from things that I have to do unfortunately leveling that out is a pain in the neck anyway so but um, it's kind of but I can't and I have to stop myself from doing it so that it has a completely different quality 
what I feel in 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 that sense. And when I and I'll say when I'm really really bad, I can't even read. I can only listen to something, and then it has to be something things. And that that is the I don't know the the drive, the impulsivity, the the ah I want to do things, and I'm not happy if I can't do them. So I get into a bore out, even though I'm burnt out and. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the autistic thing, which is all the sensory stuff on top of everything, which is um, what I'm just trying to unmask and figure out. And that is that is quite quite weird, where you basically start noticing where you're so you push through and what you, the, the, over your limits, over and over and over and over again, you've lost your complete sense of self, who you really are, and what actually affects you, and and, and not, and that is and that is so draining. That's basically where my psychiatrist, even though I don't have an official diagnosis, and he doesn't do it. He says he has no idea. They don't do it in their clinic there. Fine. I, I love him for that. You rarely meet a clinician who says, I don't understand this. I have no idea. And I, I really love him for it. That is, people should do that a lot more often. Yeah, I agree. But he's with me. He, he, he started actually trusting me. And also the autism center person, you know, she dotted it down. And when I said, right, I'd like to just work with the fa- even no, the fact, we'll just pretend that it is. Well, I don't have to pretend, but he has to pretend that my way of trying to get out of all this mess leads via accepting I'm autistic and working with my autism and ADHD and not against it. Yeah. And that's um, just taking because that's actually my best bet of recovering. And getting out of it, hopefully, at some point, unless the fatigue and the fibromyalgia are stuck and I'm done. But I'm st- I, I, I don't want to accept that yet. I'm not, I've not got that. Right. I feel like my main purpose in life now is to continually keep myself from doing 90% of the things I want to be doing. <laughs> it's just this like intentional slowing down, right? So when you were talking about pacing yourself... Uh, and wanting to do all those things, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, so, I'm sure everybody listening is just nodding vigorously along with you. So I'm curious, is there anything that works for you in terms of slowing yourself down or, or helping to pace yourself? Mm, trying not to make rash decisions, thinking about things for three days before I follow up on them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I manage that about 70 or 80 percent of the time. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually quite. Pro- the, the other thing is my body just crashes, or no, either I get a complete crash. Uh, no, if I, when I've overdone it, and I, I admit I frequently do because I, I love going to I love love going to concerts and gigs. My autism doesn't, but uh, my ADHD does, and my no, music and everything. So it's usually I already always go on the train. I don't drive there anymore because driving has spoons. Yeah, you know, it takes spoons, so I take the train. Of course, it's all costs. Yeah, it all has a quite a tax. Stay overnight, so to give me time. Go in advance. Take two days if necessary, so I have enough leeway and um, enough time to try and recover. And don't plan anything for the days after because the flare-up or post-exertional malaise is de- is bound to hit. I know it, and I go do these things seeingly because some things I just can't not do and other things is kind of then yeah as I say take three days and 
sometimes you re- I really have to decide against it. And basically, it's what I have to do more is decide against doing a lot of things for other people. Because I, I'm the carer, but I don't care enough for myself. And I have to kind of switch places. It's hard. And as I say, I am waiting for therapy to help me on that. And what I'm also trying to do is not lose all the energy over all my chaos. <laughs> I've just started occupational therapy. I never really, just, I mean, I'm a speech therapist and it never dawned on me that that might be a good idea. Well, I did in the end. But um, I found somebody who is doing her bachelor thesis on ADHD. She's half my age, but she's great. We, huh? So I'm hoping that um, I can save a bit of energy with um, her help. So wait, she's an occupational therapist who's specializing in ADHD? Yes. That's amazing. Wow. So fascinating. I was lucky there. (laughs) Sometimes I am. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine after I found out about neurodivergency and everything that I thought, right, I want to be the the speech therapist specializing in ADHD. That was one of my first things. The second thing was, oh, I could write a book and all the games that I did for the children. How can I make um, a to to give hints how they can be neurodivergent friendly? I don't lack ideas, but I really, really have to stop myself and say they are nice ideas and they must stay ideas for the time being. (sighs) (laughs) I used to have a list called building my empire, which was where I would put all of the things I wanted to do and just put them there as a place to, like you said, be like, that's nice. We're just going to leave this here and and move along. But yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. Now, I'm, I'm curious, one of the things I always like to ask my guests is if you had a alternate name for ADHD, would you call it something else? I think ADHD doesn't fit at all. I haven't come up with the perfect name, but I have a couple of ideas. Um, my younger daughter and I discussed it last night. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> but basically, I'd like actually like something that includes the word spectrum, but I haven't um, come up with that yet. But I, I can um, indulge you a thing. Basically, when I said that some people come up with um, squirrel on speed, sort of, and she said, we, we had to think of scratch from Ice Age. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Extremely hyper focused on his acorn, <laughs> gets himself into not a lot of twists because of it, because it doesn't notice what's going on around him, just chasing his acorn, loses it because it's distracted, and. Um, you, you know, uh, so we thought, right, an acronym scratch would be lovely as a relatable. So we had speedy, creative, roaming, anxious thoughts <laughs> as a scratch. <laughs> that, that was Elaine's favourite, or the scratch spectrum. <laughs> My first thing that came to mind, but that concerns, because it's, I think everybody comes up with something different because it impacts people differently. For me, executive functioning I'm a mess, and I think that I actually have autism and ADHD. They team up against me there. I think that is um, going on because other things they do quite nicely, um, but that no, that's always so. I had EFD, executive functioning disaster, that um, <laughs> describes me very nicely. <laughs> then I had the beautiful brain on tour, referring to the Big Bang Theory. TBBT. <laughs> I like that. Then something that describes me very well is um, the walking contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> 
as in The Walking Dead. We could have said spectrum of contradictions would fit also quite nicely. So, um, yes, I don't know. It's something that I'd like. I like base. I'm still looking for a name that describes the sense of it. I mean, people do use ADHD to say I am ADHD because um, it feels so detached when I say I have ADHD because it is it is part of me. I can't disconnect it from myself. It's an identity. Mm-hmm. Like I can't disconnect autis- being autistic, but I can say I am autistic. I prefer that over I have autism. It just feels right. And the same is with ADHD. So in English you say I have ADHD, and in German it doesn't work that doesn't work very well. ADHDistic or something like that. Would also be <laughs> ADHDistic or so. No, but um, disorder always sounds weird, which is why I like actually prefer spectrum because spectrum leaves it open whether it disables you or not. And disorder is also always the focus on the other. And I don't like that either. It's, it's, it's disorder always means how much does it inconvenience everybody else? I mean, hello, thank you. It inconveniences me most and it inconveniences me more when you hate me for it. You know, uh, the way you treat me, the way you see me, the way you talk about me, the way you talk to me, the way you criticize me. Um, it is uh, that that's um, uh, or um, uh, the way I have to function. Uh, you are disabling me. I mean, yes, my forms disable me as well unfortunately <laughs> so um for me it is a disability but i know it isn't for everybody and it is basically a spectrum which also has extremely cool things to go with it as well yeah i don't know as i say I, I'm, I'm still looking for the right description when it comes to that you and me both i haven't found anything either but i think like you said earlier i think as i think we will be moving more toward a more encompassed spectrum language uh, around the neurodivergent community and where we all fit within that feels just like the diagnosis. It feels sort of like it, that feels right (laughs) far more than um, deficits and disorders and all of the, all of the ways in which it was identified in the past. So it does have an impact in society in the world and the way people look i mean there's a lot of change is still needed in the way of looking thinking and everything when when i was diagnosed my um the psychologist asked me how do you feel about it and i say i I found it freeing and fitting and it's only it only dawned on me a lot lot later that a lot of people experience it or feel that it is a stigma and I noticed I don't feel that at all but I think I just take people as they are as it is it's just yeah it is end of story and I see that with a lot of things and I think that's one of the reasons why I was actually also fairly good at my job I've only been able to say these things recently I never really saw it dawn on me and everything but um that, that I was um, good at my job is because I was able to see and feel the people and just take them as they were and give them what they needed. And that was the same with the grown-ups, with the children, but also with the parents. 
some people they they came to me they they apologized for their children and they 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 almost nearly cried when said yeah that is that is okay that is normal that is not for me anyway and that's um no i i don't have a problem with that at all no or, or i don't see that as a problem or as wrong yeah and they get told that their kids are wrong all the time and for me it's just yeah well we have this that and the other but there's nothing wrong about it you need a bit of help here or there, but the shy kids, for instance. Yeah, so what? Then the kid is shy. There's nothing wrong with a shy kid. Not at all. Yeah. Why? Why do kids have to be like this, 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 this or that? No, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> I do admit I, I don't like that. But it, you, you know, really see the people, the, 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 how they relax and how grateful they are meeting somebody who who sees it like that and talks to them like that. That's beautifully said. Well, thank you, Heather. It's been so great. I'm so glad you took the plunge and reached out and answered my call. And <laughs> uh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciated hearing your story. And I'm, I'm sure there will be lots of listeners who deeply relate to your experience. So thank you for sharing. Yes, uh, thank you for having me. And I think I, I survived. I think I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, dare say, dare say you enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know if I that. That doesn't sound nice. No, it's, it's, I'm not, I know I'm moving around a lot and I'm all over the place, but I'm, I'm actually more relaxed than I may look. Let me put it that way. I feel more relaxed. It wasn't a strain. I didn't feel, feel wrong. It was extremely nice talking to you. I could, as you said at the beginning, we, we could go on for, I don't know, a couple of hours. Uh, yeah, kind of, I don't know. I'm now interested in yeah, learning more about you, hearing your more of your stories. The the toing and froing. It is. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 nice. Like, can we meet for coffee? Sort of. You know. <laughs> I do. I feel that, and I feel one of the things that I love about having ADHD is how we can connect with each other so quickly. And so on such a fundamental level where I'm like, if I were to, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to meet you in person, but I know if I did, I'd be like, I feel like we're best friends, right? I, I really do feel that closeness all the time. It's so wonderful. So thank you again, Heather. It's been, it's been a real joy. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for your work. It's really lovely. Thank you. There you have it. Thank you for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. If you'd like to find out more about me and my coaching programs, head over to womenandadhd.com. If you're a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD and you'd like to apply to be a guest on this podcast, visit womenandadhd.com slash podcast guest, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. Also, you know we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I totally get it, please just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may be struggling and they don't even know why. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered she's not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD. And she's now on the path to understanding her neurodivergent mind and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then. 
Okay, before we get started with today's episode, have you heard the awesome news? Llama Life now has an iOS app so you can take it with you wherever you go. I have been using Llama Life consistently on my computer for a year now. A year. That's unprecedented. That's like a lifetime in ADHD terms. And now with the new iOS app, I'm able to seamlessly transition between my computer and my iPhone so that my favorite little productivity coach is with me whenever I need it. So what is so special about Llama Life? Well, for starters, it's not a fancy new calendar or planner or complicated productivity management system. It's a time boxing, single tasking program that easily integrates with your already existing organizational systems. If you're like me and you struggle with time blindness, or maintaining focus throughout your day, then this is the app for you. I love Llama Life because it's simple, effective, and beautifully designed. And dare I say, it makes even the most mundane chore more fun and colorful. If you want to check out the iOS app for yourself, head to the App Store for a free trial and start enjoying that Llama Life for yourself. 